The book of Ephesians this morning, Ephesians chapter number 2, Ephesians chapter number 2, and aren't you thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, what, a, uh, what a joy it is to be in church, and to be in church where things are focused on Him, and to be able to sing uh, about Him, unto Him, and to hear the wonderful music, and we look forward to what the Lord has for us now uh, in His Word. Ephesians chapter number 2, I'm going to read the first 10 verses for our text this morning. And uh, if you've uh, been in church for any length of time, you've been around the Bible any length of time, you've probably heard uh, at least a, a couple of these verses, uh, but we're going to look at them a little more closely uh, this morning, and I want to be very helpful and very practical and revi- remind us of some important truths. Beginning with verse number 1 of Ephesians chapter number 2, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. I remind you that Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing to Christians. Verse 2, Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others." But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. I want to look at this passage of Scripture this morning, and as the Lord placed this passage on my heart, and I was studying, preparing for what way to bring the truth this morning he began to uh, give me the direction that I would go. And I want to remind you, uh, bring your attention again to verse number 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I had summed this up in my mind, and which is a good thing for a preacher to do so he knows the direction he's going to go. The last thing you want on a Sunday morning on a beautiful day is a preacher who really doesn't know where he's going. Uh, and I had a phrase that I summed up in mind, and I said, well, that, that can't be the title of my message. I need to come up with a better title. But I couldn't come up with a better title. And so my English teachers are not going to be very happy about this. But I'm going to preach this morning on the subject, what it is and what it ain't. What it is and what it ain't. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that you would use your word this morning. May the Spirit of God help us, teach us, instruct us. Those who are the redeemed, the saved, may we be reminded of who saved us, how we obtained salvation, the importance of knowing that and being secure in that. And Father, may if there be one this morning who's depending on something other than Christ's finished work on Calvary, may they realize today their efforts are futile. They're a waste of time because no man can save themselves. And Father, may they look to Christ today for their salvation. May you strengthen your church today. May you help us. Uh, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Certainly, we look at verse 8 and verse 9 once again. And we think of the title of the message this morning, what it is 
in what it ain't. What are we speaking of? We're speaking of salvation. We're speaking of forgiveness of sins. Uh, we're speaking of reconciliation to God, redemption, being bought back with the blood of Christ. In verse number 8, we see what it is. For by grace are ye saved. How many of you are saved this morning? Let me see your hand. If you're saved, it's by grace. Very simply put, that's what it is. That's how we all obtained salvation was through grace. What is a simple definition for the word grace? It's unmerited favor. It's favor that is undeserving. What we are being told in just simple scripture this morning, what it is, what salvation is, what forgiveness is, is grace. It's not something you and I could ever earn. It's not something that we could ever deserve. Often I've talked to people and said, well, I feel like I I'm living a good life. You could live as good a life as a man has ever lived, but it would be a life of sin because all men have sin, and without perfection, we don't reach God's standard. What is salvation? It's grace. How are you saved this morning? It's by grace. I rejoice in my salvation. And by the way, I like being saved. I'm happy about being saved. I'm excited about being saved and on my way to heaven and knowing that I'm not burdened by my sins anymore. And how did I get that way? Was it because I was a good little boy? That certainly wasn't the case. Is it because I've reached perfection now? No, that's not the case. It's by the grace of God that I found salvation. That's what it is. Let me tell you what it ain't. Verse number nine, not of works. You know what salvation is? It's by grace. You know what it ain't? It ain't by works. This might not be the most grammatically pleasing sound this morning, but nobody ain't ever worked their way to heaven. Nobody's ever got salvation because they were good enough, because they worked their way to heaven. As salvation is by grace. It is not of works. Well, I, I'm trying to get there. You can't ever get there without grace. Well, I, I'm doing the best that I can. You can't do enough without grace. Well, I, I'm keeping all of the commandments. No, you're not. But even though you're trying, you can't get there except by grace. I, I, no matter what we do, no matter what man has tried, uh, religion after religion after religion has been founded through the centuries where man has tried to work his way to God and every time, without exception, they have come short. You know why? Because God said in Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 8, salvation is by grace, it's not by works. And if we are going to depend on salvation, which comes from God, then we must listen to what God says is salvation. It is by grace, that unmerited favor, that undeserving favor that we get by, from God. Uh, you and I, I'm thankful for my salvation. You and I don't deserve salvation. We, are, we can say we're saved by the grace of God because God showed favor on sinful man that he did not have to show. But I'm so thankful that he did because we're reminded in verse 9 there's nothing that we could do to save ourselves, There's nothing we could do to help us get any closer to God for by grace. As I was pondering those wonderful truths this morning and 
You say, Pastor, why, why, we know what it is. Why is it important that you remind us of what it ain't? Because I want you to be reminded if you're saved this morning, it's nothing you could do. To do is by the grace of God and His love and His favor that He saved us. And we ought to be rejoicing in that. We ought to be thankful in that. And we ought to be reminded it's not of works. If you're here this morning, you say, well, I've been a church member for all these years and, and my grandmother did this and, and I try and keep all of these things, friend. That won't get you any closer to heaven that a man who does not keep those things because it's not of works. With this thought in mind, what it is and what it ain't, I want to just make four statements that we find in this passage of Scripture that give further meaning and clarity and understanding, and I hope this morning, if you're saved, appreciation for verse number 8, for by grace are ye saved. The first statement this morning is this. We find it. In verse number 1, and you hath he quickened, look at your Bible, who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's the first statement. Dead in trespasses and sins. I want you to notice three key words in that phrase. Uh, the first one being dead. You say, uh, well, is he, why is he writing and reminding them that they were dead if they're now alive? He's speaking of their soul. He's speaking of the, their soul condition. And friend, man without Christ is dead in their sins. Their soul is dead. Their, their, their eternity is pointing them. They will, if they do not find Christ along the way, they are going to spend an eternity suffering and paying for their sins because they are dead in their sins. This is the reality and the reminder that he is reminding of them. Notice the word trespasses. Is that voluntary transgression of law. God had established his law. By the way, God hasn't changed his law. God is still a holy God. God is still a more, matter of fact, we don't say we say God is holy. We, we, I know we know what we mean by that, but holiness is measured against God. God is not measured against holiness. God is perfection. God, we cannot even fully understand that because we are so flawed and we are the opposite of perfection and holiness. But that trespass is a voluntary transgression of law. We may say statements like this from time to time, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You voluntarily transgressed against the law of God. You chose, your sinful nature chose to do that. Now, he may tempt you. He may put you, you, you but the truth of the matter is, a lot of times we blame him for that which we're guilty of. The third word I want you to see in that phrase is the word sins. This is the one we're most familiar with. It's that offense against God. And we have let the devil in this world redefine the meanings of words. Sin is not a good word. Sin is a word that ought to get our attention because we are sinners. We live in a day today when... Generally speaking, in our nation, our world, we're no longer ashamed of sin. We brag about our sin. We post our sin on social media. We, we run for elected office based on sin. A lot of Christians can't give to the church like they should in the work of God because they're too busy funding their sin. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, that offense against God. You know what will help you and I this morning to be reminded? That that little sin that we justify offends God. 
we need to get back to the reality of living in a way that we're more concerned about offending God than offending man. And that's what sin is. We're reminded that we were... He's reminding them, and it's a good reminder for you and I, that before we were saved by grace, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. God established what is right and wrong. Well, Pastor, I just don't know if I agree with that. It doesn't matter if you agree with it. Quite frankly, it doesn't matter if I agree with it. God has never passed out a survey. God has established what His law is, and when man breaks that law, we have that sin nature, don't we? Romans 5, verse 12 reminds us that sin has been passed down since Adam for every man. But while that is sobering in itself, we can't get the full picture of the reality of what God saved us from. And a reminder to what this lost world is living in without giving closer attention to verse 2 and 3. He goes on in verse number 2 and reminds them how bad off they were by being dead in their trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Now, very quickly, as a, if he's reminding them what they did before they were saved, I'll be a reminder to you and I, it's, it's something that we ought to stay away from. We need to be reminded of they walked according to the course of this world. Let me help the church this morning. If it seems like we are going upstream in culture, it's because we are. If it seems like we're going the opposite way, it's because we are. If it seems like as our nation gets more and more hardened towards the things of God, and it seems like the church goes against the culture, it's because we are. Because before we were made alive, we walked according to the course of this world. How can people just walk lockstep with everything they see? Because they're walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. When I got saved, I chose Christ. I chose His sacrifice. I have a new master. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was my master? The prince of the power of the air. The same is true of those who are lost today. They're dead Oh, Christian, don't look at this world and say, oh, they're having such a good time and look at everything. No, they're dead in their trespasses and sins. They're walking according to the prince of the power of the air. Now, there's so much I could say about that. Friend, just as God is real, the devil is real too. And a man cannot serve two masters. And before salvation, you walked according to the prince of the power of the air. Notice what the Bible still says in verse 2. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. This lost world, God calls them the children of disobedience. There's a spirit working in them. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's a spirit of antichrist. It's a seducing spirit. It's a spirit from the prince of the power of the air. Oh, is it not, it's not that big a deal that I'll be saved. Oh, it depends on who you want your master to be. And he reminds them, when you were dead in your sins, this is the condition that you were in. You walked according to the course of this world. Friend, I'm thankful that I'm saved. I trust that you are too. 
I want the lost to know that Jesus died for their sins. If you're here this morning and you've, this is foreign to you and, and you've, you can't say I've ever put my complete faith and trust in Christ, I'm here just to let you know that salvation is available to you. I'm here to plead with you to choose Christ because if you die dead in your trespasses, you will spend an eternity paying for your sins in that place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. I don't want anybody to go to that place. I don't want anybody to experience that. I'm here to, to say to you, trust Christ as your Savior today. You can't get there by works. You can get there by grace. And to the saved this morning, I want to remind us of what God saved us from. And what we need to be reminded is God's church, the lost are acting like they're lost because they're lost. And we cannot in this day say, well, I'm saved and, and I don't want to get any of that on me. No, we ought to be separated and called out and, and, and live a holy life as the Bible calls us to. But we must be reminded that this world is acting like they're acting because they don't know Christ. I, 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 Spirit of God brings this to my mind. I've reminded you in the past, you got to be careful in this politically polarizing day. Because the other side needs Jesus. And my first command as a Christian is to preach Christ to every man. Except for that political party. No, they obviously need Christ. They're, they're dead in their trespasses. We were dead in our trespasses. The spirit that now worketh in their children disobedient. Look at us, verse 3, he continues. Among whom also we all had our conversation. That word conversation is our manner of living. In times past, obviously before we were saved. Notice, notice what our manner of living was. Are you still with me this morning? Our manner of living here reminds them, your manner of living in times past, the lust of our flesh. Not the spirit, because we were dead. But what our flesh wanted. In times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Why, sometimes, yeah, I don't know if you ever, I'm sure you have asked yourself this question. Like, why in the world are people acting that way? You look at this world, why? You know why? Because they're fulfilling the lust of their flesh. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You look at the wicked, vile things that are taking place in this world. You look at the destruction that sin has wrought in the lives of people. You can't help but think, but for the grace of God. Why? Because this is the way, this is the nature we all had. You, you ever wonder why certain animals act the way they do? Because God created them with a the nature. Man acts the way man acts because... According to the scripture, it's by nature, the children of wrath. He reminds them of what they were, dead in trespasses and sins. It's good for us to be reminded of what we were before God saved us. Now, this is probably my two, well, I can't say my favorite words, but if it wasn't for these two words, we couldn't appreciate the rest of the chapter. Let's bring to the second statement I want to make. I want you to look at verse number four. But God. Verse number 2 and verse number 3 is not a good picture. Paul is telling them, this is what you were. As I read that, I 
cringe a little to think that I would walk according to the prince and the power of the air. I would walk according to the things of this world. But God stepped in. And friend, this morning, we could go around the room, and if it was not for God, you and I would not be where we're at today. You and I would not have the blessings we have. You and I would not have the work that God has done in our life. We certainly wouldn't have the eternity secure in hope in heaven, but God. But God. I just don't know that, 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 that I could be changed. I don't know that God could change my nature, but God. What happened in your life? God happened in my life. Boy, I like this. It, it gets even better in verse number four. But God, who is rich in mercy. That word mercy, you know the definition, is just not giving us what we deserve. Man, I look around at this crowd. What a good-looking crowd. A few blind spots I won't look at, but what a good-looking crowd. No, what a good-looking crowd. I mean, you, you clean up, you, you look great. Saturday night came, so everybody got a bath last night. I mean, this is, this is just a great-looking crowd. Quite frankly, there's not a crowd I'd rather be in than the Emmanuel Baptist Church. But let's be honest. We're not getting what we deserve. Well, if you came this morning looking for a perfect church, there's not one. What, what is the Emmanuel Baptist Church? We're just a bunch of sinners who are by nature away from God, but God who is rich in mercy. I read this in the book of Ephesians in the, the thousands of years ago that Paul put pen to paper and wrote to this church. And in that day and time, Paul was certainly an example of what God would do. And Paul was that persecutor of the Christian and the murderer and the vile man. He met Jesus and Jesus changed him and Jesus saved him and Jesus put him on the path of service for him. Paul could write about God who is rich in mercy. He's got enough mercy to save the most vile sinner, the most wicked sinner. But I think of it in this realm as well. For all these thousands of years, God's mercy has never run out. It's never run out. It's never run out. If you're sitting here this morning and you say, that's wonderful, preacher. You testify about your own salvation. But does God have enough mercy for me? All I can do is point you to the scripture and we're reminded that God is rich in mercy. Well, we ought to be reminded this morning, God's been merciful to you and I. Oh, I'm not worthy to preach the word of God. None of us are worthy to speak the name of Jesus. But because of Christ's sacrifice, but God, who is rich in mercy. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, he continues. For his great love, wherewith he loved us. Notice this. Paul tells him God's got a great love. Isn't that wonderful? But he doesn't just possess a great love. He used it to love us. Oh, that person's got a great love. Too bad they hate me. Because the people they love, they sure showers. God loved us. Well, you can't help but read that verse and think of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved 
the world. But God. As we continue that thought of what it is and what it ain't, and we're reminded that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God made a way. I draw your attention back to verse number 8, and I want to make statement number 3. I want to see that phrase, for by grace are you saved through faith. And notice that next phrase, and that not of yourselves. I want to draw attention to that, that not of yourselves. It is not of ourselves because it is the gift of God. God gave us what we could not do for ourselves. It was a great gift. You think of the greatest gifts that you've ever received on, on a practical manner. There's something that was given to you that you could not get yourself. There's a greater appreciation for that. If somebody gave a gift to you and you have the means and the ability to go get it yourself, you appreciate that, but not like you receiving something that there's no other way you could have ever got it. That's why sometimes the greatest gift is that little handmade card by a child or the little handmade project. And you know why? Because there's only one of those that exist. There's no other way you could get it. You can't go down to Walmart and buy that. You can't get that because that's the only way you could get it. Somebody took the time to show their love. and You couldn't have done that for yourself. I mean, I think many of us could, could say this. I have so many mismatched different things that have been made through the years and in cards that you've got to strain real hard to see what they, the words that they say and the black crayon and black construction paper. That wasn't, you didn't think that out. I mean, you, you're looking at all these things, but they mean something because you can't go buy it. Boy, I'm glad God loves me, aren't you? It means something to have salvation. Because there's nothing I could go get. To understand the love of God, that He loves us, it is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I'm reminded of Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We know the payment of our sin is death, that Death and hell cast into the lake of fire, that eternity of death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is not of yourselves, it's a gift that was given to us. Notice again in verse number 8, and for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Uh, it, it is not of works in verse number 9. It is grace through faith. We're recipients of God's unmerited favor. How do we get it? Through faith. Say, well, well Pastor, I, I hear you <clears throat> talking about that grace. How do I get that? You just got to believe. Paul was preaching a resurrected Christ. They had never seen resurrected Christ. How did they accept that? By faith. The same way you and I accept it. Well, I'd have to see it to believe it. Then you can't be saved. Because you have to accept it by faith. You have to believe by faith. It is by faith we obtain that grace. 
If you think that, you, well, I believe that Jesus uh, was the Son of God. I believe that he was resurrected. But I also believe that you got to do good works. That's not by faith. That is part you. That is part God. You can't not of works. Lest any man should boast. Grace through faith. You must believe in God's gift, not in yourself. If you're here this morning and you say, I'd like to have salvation, you must believe in God's gift. Well, what do I have to do? You have to believe in God's gift. No, pastor, I don't think you're hearing me. What do I have to do? You have to believe in God's gift. There's nothing else you can do. Because not of works, lest any man should boast. See, sometimes some of the things that sound the best are the worst advice. Well, just believe in yourself. You can't get saved that way. Often when I speak to others about their salvation, I say, well, what are you depending on that on? Well, I just believe in my heart. What do you believe in your heart? I just believe that I'll be there. Well, we have to have more than that. We have to do it the way God said it. For by grace through faith. Yes, I'm here to tell you this morning and remind all men that grace is available for everyone. Because God is rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. But you must believe in God's gift, not in yourself. I've had many say to me before, well, I just don't think I could keep all the commandments. I extend my hand and say, glad to meet you. I can't either. That's why I'm thankful for Christ and His sacrifice. See, a quickening must take place. Go back to verse number 1. Paul points out that they were dead in their trespasses and sins, but notice how he begins verse number 1. And you hath he quickened. There's something that changed from death to life. And in verse number 5, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together. That word quickened means to be made alive. That quickening, that making alive must take place. You and I, which were dead, we could not give ourselves life. <coughs> you could not change the way you were. You couldn't change verse 2 and verse 3 about you. I couldn't change verse 2 and verse 3 about me. But there had to be a quickening that takes place. The dead could not change themselves. By faith, as we believe in what Christ did, the, the, the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ... Christ becoming our sin sacrifice. By faith, I believe that God extends His grace. And in that, in that moment of faith, we are quickened, we are made alive by the Spirit of God. And now we were dead, our soul was dead, now it's made alive. That is a supernatural act that takes place that you and I cannot do ourselves. We can do our best to keep all the commandments, we can live a holy and clean life, which we should, but that is not going to make us from dead to alive. You think of some of the most religious people in the world. They are far more dedicated than you and I. They're trying to get somewhere they can't go on their own. Only God can take that which is dead and make it alive. That is not of ourselves. And then I give you number four. As we are speaking of what it is and what it ain't, salvation is by grace. 
It's not of works. And I remind you, lest any man should boast. I, I mean, let's be honest. If you could save yourself, that's all we'd hear out of you. And it'd be all about you. Could you imagine the social media post then? Boy, God knows how we are. That's all we talk about. How humble. I just want to let you know how humble I am in my working my way to heaven. Uh, we can't get there. None of works with any man should. Because it's all about Christ. But this is, this is the finished result. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Notice his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus. I look around. I mentioned a moment ago what a wonderful looking crowd this is. To think about what God has done in each and every life. Think about that. Our eternal destination has been changed. Our life has been changed. There are some stories in here. If you knew the stories... You'd be shocked at the people you see. Because you see them now and you think they've always been the way they are now. But they weren't. They were just like you. They were living in verse 2 and verse 3. But something happened one day. But God. Who is rich in mercy. They discovered there was a gift that could be attained. Something could be done for them that they could not do for themselves. And through faith, they believed in Christ and what He did on Calvary. And by grace, they were saved. They couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't live, they could live a hundred lifetimes and doing the best they could, and they couldn't get salvation that was obtained freely through grace. And what happened? They became His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Let me remind all of us this morning who give a testimony of salvation, you are what you are, not because of you, but because of Christ. Maybe you're saved this morning and say, Pastor, I'm just having a hard time getting over some things. I'm having a hard time putting some things behind me. I'm having a hard time getting some things set on my life so that I can move forward in my Christian life. Friend, first of all, you must be saved for God to do His work in you. You can take a book as the Word of God, and that's the problem with our society today. They take a book as moral suggestions and apply it to their life, but they cannot even begin to fathom it or understand it because the same Spirit that wrote this book is the same Spirit that quickens you and makes you alive and then bears witness. The author literally teaches you what he intends for you to know, and and he teaches you the instructions of life. You become his workmanship, and he changes you from the inside out. I think this is good for us to be reminded, too, that we are what we are because of Christ, because we have a tendency to get full of ourselves, don't we? And the more wicked this world gets, the more we've got to be careful of not comparing ourselves to the wicked world, but being reminded of what Christ has done for us. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God is the one that's done the work in you. And this morning, if you would give yourself to Christ and you would, you would by faith, trust Christ as your Savior, He would begin to do a work in you. Say, well, Pastor, I don't think I could change it. That's the problem. You can't change it. But let me tell you who can change it. Christ can change it. He can change your destination. 
But He can change your heart. He can change your life. He changes your master. He changes your world. He changes everything. You can't do it, but Christ can. He, you become His work, His workmanship. God does a work in us through salvation. Why does God do the work in us unto good works? Not by good works, unto good works. This is a church that does good works for God. There are people across this planet who heard this week for the first time that God sent His Son to die for their sins. His name is Jesus. They don't live in a land like you and I live in where there's a church on every corner. They heard of salvation that is free and salvation that is obtainable. And they heard it from the lips of those that have been sent out of this church. They've heard it from the lips of those that are only on that field because God's people have taken money out of their pocket and given it so they can go. This week, there's a lot of good works that have gone on behind the scenes that have helped this community that will never show up in a survey. It will never show up as a talking point. And by the way, God still blesses His people. God still blesses cities and towns and nations because of the salt of the earth. But how did that happen? Is it because... We're just bent that way? No. Because a work has been done in us unto good works, not by good works. Works is not going to save you. Aren't you thankful for that? Because we would never get there. But because He has saved us, He does a work in us and good works comes from us. That's the life that we get to live for Him. See, I, I don't like all that, all the, all the Christian stuff, all the church stuff, all the things you've got to do. Well, before you get saved, you're doing everything Satan wants you to do. Well, I just don't know if I agree with that. Well, then you disagree with the Bible. Every man has a master. I'd rather have the benevolent one. I'd rather have the one who freely gave himself. What it is, it's grace. If you're saved this morning, aren't you thankful for grace? Unmerited favor. Undeserving. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what your background is, nobody deserves salvation. But it's through faith. What it ain't, it's not of works. I can speak to this by testimony, but logic would dictate this as well because of what the Bible says. Those who depend on what it is sleep a lot better at night than those who depend on what it ain't. Because I know that it is 100% what Christ has done. But if you're trying to live a good enough life, I commend you for your efforts, but 
The Bible condemns your foolishness because it's by grace. Maybe you're here this morning in the service or watching by live stream, listening on the radio, and you wonder if God's got enough mercy for you. God's not poor. He's certainly not poor in mercy. He's rich in mercy. It'll never run out. I'm reminded of one of the Psalms. I can't recall which Psalm it is. But it speaks of his mercy. And his mercy. And his mercy. His truth and mercy enduring to all generations. That's not just our generation. That's the generations to come. This morning. Aren't you thankful for what it is? For by grace. I think this is good for God's people to be reminded of our salvation and how we're saved by the goodness of God. Let's be reminded this morning that there's a world that needs Christ. We've got more churches and more religions than this planet has ever had. And we are further away from God than we've ever been. You know what we need? We just need God's grace. That favor. It comes through faith. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You say, well, I, I believe in Christ, but, but I think there's some things I have to do. No, I hope this morning, in the few minutes we've had, it shed some light on the fact there's nothing you could do. Nothing you could do. You say, well, Pastor, what do I do with that? In just a moment, we're all going to bow our heads. There's going to be an opportunity for Christians as God has spoken to you to maybe spend some time in prayer. But if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, as has been described by the Bible today, I would encourage you, when the opportunity is given, to come and let somebody open the Bible and show you how you can be saved. It's putting your faith and trust in Christ. Maybe sitting right where you're sitting now, you realize that you're a sinner. Realize that no matter what good works you do, church membership can't save you. Affiliation can't save you. None of that can save you. I know it's contrary to what religion teaches, but I'll take the Bible when it says not of works, lest any man should boast. It's Christ, His grace through faith. By faith, you believe the death, the burial, and resurrection was enough for your payment of sins. You put your faith and trust in Him. Father, I pray this morning as we're reminded of